Hey guys, welcome to this week's edition of Shot Callers, brought to you by the 48 Minutes Network and 48MinutesNetwork.com. I am Tim Daniel. So this is our Indiana Pacers team preview. So we'll be joined by Jeremiah Johnson of Fox Sports Indiana. Not only are you going to hear Jeremiah come on and talk about this Pacers season coming up, you're going to hear one of our own doing his first MC job, as yes, Ben Brown leading the show this week. So we're really excited for that. Ben's uh, trying some things out while Kyle is... Uh, getting situated in his new job. So excited for Ben, excited for the network, excited to have a Shot Callers episode for you guys. Jeremiah is awesome. We talk about a whole lot of Pacers, a whole lot of everything. So without further ado, here is this week's show. Hope you enjoy it. I said I always remember the wood beneath my feet in a busy street. I never said I We are here with uh, the Pacers pregame, postgame host, and uh, Jeremiah Johnson from Fox Sports Indiana. How are you, Jeremiah? Could not be better. Just uh, excited about the upcoming season, but enjoying the final month or so of kind of summer break, summer vacation. August is the slow time in the NBA, but it definitely makes you uh, excited to see the schedule come out and just kind of know that basketball is right around the corner. Man, I tell you what. This is my, of course, favorite night of the year, being the residence uh, Pacer fan here for <laughs> Shot Callers 48-Minute Network. So I'm extremely excited to talk to you and talk Pacers basketball. Um, you know, we're getting little bits of snippets here with the USA team playing, uh, but we're really ready to get into the season. So we're excited to have you on. Um, it's always a pleasure. So thank you for joining us tonight. No problem. Appreciate you guys' coverage and uh, talking up the NBA. It's it's definitely made the offseason go by faster when so many people are reporting on and, and talking about the NBA. It's almost like one season ends and you're already looking forward to the next one. Yeah, it does, man. It comes it comes back uh, quicker than we think. I mean, we get a little bit of break there, but I tell you what, the NBA season never stops. We're excited about that. So, yeah, It should be fun, and uh, we, are, we are enjoying watching Team USA and also Team Lithuania because Sabonis looks like he's having a good time. <laughs> yes, <he's been> <laughs> Is Goga playing too in the cup? No, Goga's. I think Goga's uh, one of the only guys, at least one of the first guys, um, back in Indianapolis, and so he's he's just getting acclimated to being a Hoosier and uh, just just working out at the St. Vincent Center, I do believe. Right on. Yeah, that's good to hear. Uh, we were also excited about Miles Turner. I mean, he had a wonderful game this morning. We were just watching uh, 15 points, 14 rebounds against Australia. That's really exciting to see. Uh, we're really hoping he turns a corner. Defensively, he was outstanding last year. He really got snubbed on all those, uh, you know, defensive player of the, of the year list. Um, we're really, I'm really excited to see him turn a corner this year. You know, I, I do think he got snubbed, and I do think it's been interesting to follow Miles Turner from the beginning of his rookie season. He had some injuries that rookie year and really didn't show kind of what he could do until maybe the middle of the season. And then all of a sudden he kind of broke out a little bit and you thought, okay, this is the guy you're going to build around. And even if I think back to two years ago, but when Victor Oladipo and Domas Sabonis were getting ready to play their first season with the Pacers and Paul George was gone, I think it was a little premature for everyone. And I would say Fox Sports Indiana included. I can remember that the season opening show and how it was, we had a feature just built around Miles Turner as the new face of the franchise. And, 
you know, you're, you're fascinated by his defensive ability and his shooting and his two-way abilities that I think we maybe everyone put a little bit too much pressure and maybe even there was a little too much hype surrounding Miles. And now that there is a full body of work in his career, you know what he is. And he is an elite defensive player. And I think he's a really good shooter, but he's not necessarily a go-to guy offensively. And I think you just have to accept that. And, and that's with those positive qualities that he has. I think a lot of teams would take it. And, and I do think for someone who is now just starting his, you know, his second contract that you have him at a, a reasonable number. I mean, miles is going to get paid this year, but it's not a number that you, I don't think in this contract, you're going to say, man, that's a bad deal. So um, this Team USA experience can do nothing but help him. I mean, the only concern is that he's going to be going overseas and then coming back home and then going back to India for the preseason game. So he might be a little worn out and a little uh, leg weary early in the season or maybe in that week or two of training camp. But I think the staff will, you know, give him some breaks during the training camp practices in those preseason games. Yeah. He'll probably have an Andrew Luck style uh, uh, preseason, uh, maybe, maybe not even <laughs> in preseason games. Well, yeah, uh, I, hope we I, don't have, yeah, I hope we don't have any misdiagnosed injuries or anything like that crazy. <laughs> yeah, part. I didn't mean not from an injury perspective, but yeah. But yeah, yeah I but, understand uh, what you're saying, yeah. I think that uh, the USA experience will be awesome. And, you know, I, I think it's just great to get that exposure. There, There's nothing really bad about this. And for a lot of guys that dropped out or said they didn't want to play, you know, I think Miles would have had a shot to make the team anyways. But now he's an integral part, so even better. You know, he's starting games, and you can even see this morning – from the game against Australia, how important he is to that team. And so I think that even makes that experience that much more, you know, beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So Jeremiah, the Pacers had a very, very busy off season. Um, obviously, like we mentioned earlier, drafting Goga Batadze, which, you know, has made a lot of people wonder how the, how the big man rotation is going to go. I'm sure we'll get to that in the, in the show, but free agent night. I mean, I mean, draft night, they get TJ Warren a trade for literally Maybe a bag of peanuts. Yeah, I was going to say two hot dogs on a sprite, maybe. I think yeah. Um, no, no, they got the they got the peanuts and the sprite along with PJ. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you're right. Because then, they got that second round pick, which you know was another asset. They maybe use that for more future second round picks. But it was very surprising and peculiar, and it basically just seemed like the Suns just wanted away from TJ Warren. And uh, in talking with TJ since he's been a Pacer, I think the feeling was mutual. Okay. I think they made. Maybe he let let them know I, I wouldn't mind being somewhere else, but it didn't become a public thing, and and they just decided to move on. But it wasn't like from a Pacers perspective that he was, uh, you know, there was anything wrong with him. I just think he needed to change the scenery, and the Pacers were like, sure, we'll take we'll take TJ. Yeah, I agree with that. Not to mention, you guys also get TJ McConnell mm-hmm. to go with TJ Leaf. So the all TJ lineup. Will we see that often this year in Nate McMillan's core? <laughs> I mean, actually, I think there is a chance, even though if you look at the starting lineup, I think T.J. Warren would be projected as the starting three at the start of the season. And I'm not sure if T.J. McConnell would be in the rotation on opening night. But T.J. Leaf, I think they're going to give every bit of an opportunity to be that backup four. Uh, I definitely think there will be opportunities where you can have three T.J.'s on the court at the same time. That's <laughs> great. So, but you know, after that, obviously, the huge part is getting Malcolm Brock in the sign and trade. Um, I really wanted the Bulls to get Malcolm, although you know it kind of worked out getting Sadoransky. But you know, you guys also get uh, Justin Holiday, you get Jeremy Lamb to kind of fill up while Vo's out. 
What do you think about all this building that backcourt, kind of get these guards ready to kind of have extra rolls while Old Depot's recovering? I think they did a number of things, and I guess if you go back to uh, you know the instant analysis, initially I was thinking they had to bring back at least somebody that was a free agent from from last season, just because it was a quality team. It wasn't like a team that you just wanted to you know turn the page from, with the exception of maybe one one player. And I thought I thought <laughs> as long as you brought Thaddeus Young back or Boyan Bogdanovich, and then you build around those guys. It would have been a successful summer. So initially, I do admit to being a little disappointed. Although all of the reports that you know, sometimes you just can't overreact to what you read on Twitter. But all of the reports that you know they made Boyan a priority and they were going to sign Ricky Rubio. I think you know we all know now. Maybe Rubio was someone that they had some interest in, but it was only because they had to get a point guard. Once Darren Collison had retired, you know they absolutely had to find a point guard. And they maybe didn't think Brogdon would be someone they could get, but they obviously would have ranked Brogdon higher. And I think there are some other guys that they would have considered. I mean, I, I don't think that uh, they would, maybe would have wanted to give Terry Rozier as much money as, as the Hornets did. But <laughs> You I don't think say. They would have had it. <laughs> right. But they would have listened. They would have talked to him. I mean, if you got him on a $12 million a year deal, and maybe you think you can kind of make him more of a team player and, and you know, a guy that went to Louisville, maybe he would embrace being back in the Midwest. I mean, there are a number of guys, and you only hear about a couple of them that come out. I just cautioned fans back in the summer, don't overreact. And everybody was freaking out because they didn't want Ricky Rubio. I mean, in a perfect world, to me, I don't know if the cap would have worked this way if you could have gotten Boganovich and Brocken. But once once Boyan got a deal that he liked from Utah, I mean, I thought that it was probably the next move was to go grab Jeremy Lamb. And it really feels like, to me, you already had T.J. Warren you know, maybe to play, you know, some four, maybe to play play some backup four, but he, now he can play the starting three when Boyan left. And, and Lamb, to me, is the perfect guy because yeah. he can start when Victor's out and he can be a quality sixth man when Victor comes back. And, uh, you know, it, I think that I didn't really know a lot about Jeremy Lamb other than, you know, one of the most painful games I ever watched, witnessed in person was Butler-UConn. And he was on the wrong side of that one from my perspective. So I'll try not to hold that against him. But I really enjoyed the conversation that I had with him on his first day with the Pacers. And it really felt to me like that he wants to be a leader. He, you know, everybody says the right things on opening night or the first day they sign their contract. But it felt a little bit different, even better than normal when I talked with Jeremy. So it does seem like when you get a guy that increases his scoring average five straight seasons, I mean, that, that shows that he is – you know, continuing to get better. And when given an opportunity, he can flourish. And so, um, you know, the backcourt is going to still be waiting on Victor to come back. But I, I think that um, Kevin Pritchard and company did a really good job in just kind of having plan A, B, C, and then deciding very quickly because you have to in this free agency, mm -hmm. you have to move quickly. And, and they were able to find, you know, I think Brogdon was plan A. I think that uh, Lamb may have been plan B, but a B – you know, with a qualifier because you don't know whether you can afford him if you had Boyan. And so there were a lot of things in play. And I was just really impressed with the fact that, you know, they were able to kind of quickly put the pieces together. And then even better than that to me, or not better, but I, I wouldn't discount the fact that the last signing, I think, that really became reported, the Justin Holiday deal. Yeah, yes, I mean, I, absolutely. I, I, was, I admit to being a little bit worried when I looked at the second unit prior to that point because I just thought, 
You know, I thought they kind of would have benefited by having Corey Joseph back as a point guard and maybe playing Aaron Holiday as a two. And I just wasn't so sure if if Domas is playing with the starters, then your backup front court is TJ Leaf and Goga Batadze. And then I'm, I'm starting to be like, how's that group going to score? And, and I think that Justin Holiday, I mean, he's a pro. He's been around the league. He's been in a number of situations. Not only can he help his little brother, I think that's just a bonus, but I think he can almost be that second unit go-to scorer, and that's an opportunity that I think he will flourish in. So um, to be able to just use your cap space, to, to wait to determine who who's the mid-level, who is going to take the final little bit of your salary cap, and even T.J. McConnell to me, I don't know how you could get a better third point guard. I just think that I think everything kind of fell into place. Now they have to show it on the court, and I, you know, I don't think any of it will matter in a big way if Victor doesn't come back at least as good as he was. And I don't think we'll know that this season, or at least we won't know that till Christmas, you know, New Year's time. So uh, that's that said, if he comes back, I think the pieces around him um, will fit nicely. Well, you mentioned I can tell you as a Bulls fan that Justin Holiday was excellent for that for that young Bulls team for for a couple of years there when they were rebuilding, and um, we're also really happy that Thad Young's on our side now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm I'm a little disappointed because I admit, uh, and I've I've lessened my feelings on the Bulls over the years. <laughs> I, you know, there there was a time where it was they were one of my least favorite teams, and I they're a hard team to dislike right now. So. Now, especially that they have Thad Young, then they will move up the ladder to maybe one of my, you know, I admit it. I mean, I, Thad Young to me is like top one or two of my favorite players in the NBA. Yeah. And so I can't hate on Thad and I can't hate on the Bulls, even though they're kind of a central division rival. So I will be interested to see how he fits with that team over the next two to three years because, you know, I think that he can help, you know, help guys be professionals and build a culture. But he also could be someone that if trade deadline time, he did his job in Chicago and both sides would say, okay, now go back to a winner. So, you know, I haven't even ruled it out that he could come back to the Pacers at some point. Um, but I do think that uh, it's good that he got his money and that he can, you know, be a positive influence on a young team like Chicago. Uh, but he's probably the, he and Boyan, I definitely am. I'm going to miss those guys. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Um, Thad Young was one of my favorite favorite Pacers last year, um, and of course Bogdanovich. Of course, he he did so well once Oladipo went down. He became that that leader that we were looking for last year. Um, I'm I'm going to miss both those guys, but I think we've picked up great guys as well. Um, Jeremy Lamb. I mean, to be the second leading scorer on that Hornets team, which him and and Kimball Walker there, I was you know I was very happy to get him. Um, Justin Holiday, I was happy about. And, and T.J. Warren too, like just that, just that deal alone to get T.J. Warren to fill that spot, I was I was very very pleased about. So it was, it was really exciting to see how our front office did. And I, I keep saying our, but you know, we know what you mean. <laughs> but you know, but hey, you know the Pacers mean. will accept you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we try not to say we yeah, are yeah, on yeah. our I, broadcast, but yeah. you know, you're allowed to. Yes. Yeah, okay. So. But yeah, I'm I'm really happy with the way the front office did it, and they're all like team friendly deals too. I mean, they've got great deals across the board, um, so I'm really excited to see what what those guys are going to do this year. My next question to you is: um, Have you had any contact with Oladipo? How's the rehab going? Um, any timelines? Anything like that? You know, it's interesting. Ever since he was injured, he kind of went down to Miami, and you know, I was, I kept waiting for him to come back and kind of provide a, a mental emotional boost for the team that was kind of 
in need of one when that schedule got so difficult. And Mm -hmm. I think even, you know, even, you know, to be honest, some inside the organization were, you know, wishing he would have been either in Boston or maybe at game three. I know he had some travel issues. And by the time he got there, it was game four. Uh, It just wasn't a great situation. So I haven't had a chance to really talk a lot to him. And I think a little bit of that has been by design. He's been, you know, he hasn't really been around that much. And I think he's trying to kind of focus individually on his rehab, but I do know that, you know, with his new teammates um, and, and the coaching staff, he's been very much in touch with them. And so he doesn't, you know, I'll see him enough when he's back. He doesn't need to talk to me. Um, And I don't, I don't, you know, other than watching the videos that he's put out, you know, everybody has their own way to do the rehabs these days. And, you know, we remember when Paul George kind of had his own, you know, videos and and reports. And I think Victor's kind of going that route. So, you know, that's fine. I think that it will be very good once the season starts to kind of get him back and, you know, with the, with the Pacers doctors and knowing that, you know, he's been in good hands this past summer, but um, I I do look forward to him being with this team in training camp and then getting to talk to him a little bit more. But I think he's been, you know, and I've read some of the reports, you know, I think some people were at the, the camp that he had over the weekend and, you know, even some people that were in Las Vegas tried to talk to him and, you know, you can get, you can get, where you are put into a corner of answering a question about when you're going to come back and you don't want to necessarily be completely honest, but you don't want to, you know, be too negative either. So it's, it's not really fair to him to say, when do you think you're going to be back? You know, he's the kind of guy that would say, I think I could play tomorrow, but you have, you have to be a realist a little bit. So um, I've just all along been expecting, you know, Christmas, New Year's is, it's kind of what I was thinking. Nothing I've heard you know, would make me change my mind, but I wouldn't hold it against them or I wouldn't put it past them to, to come back earlier. I just think the good thing is the schedule, you know, I didn't know whether it'd be good to have a easier schedule or a harder schedule first or second part of the year, but I think they can have some success early without him. Mm-hmm. They can get some guys some confidence with a new team and new roles, and then he can kind of come in and then it can just pick everything up and take that to the next level, but not have him to feel like he has to do everything. I mean, he's got to ease back into things just a little bit, and, you know, maybe he won't play back-to-backs early, and, you know, who knows what their plan will be. But the the main thing will be they've got to have some success in the first part of the season. Mm-hmm. They've got to have guys confident in their abilities so it's not like Victor's coming in to save the day because if they struggle early, and if guys aren't having success, the confidence isn't there, and then he has to come back and feel like he has to do too much. Um, it, you wouldn't even, you don't want him, you don't want him to come back under those circumstances at all. So, uh, I think the the first part of the season, while maybe our ratings might be lower because we definitely have a bump when Victor plays compared to when he doesn't. Right. I mean, it, there there are a number of early storylines, and you know those November games are very very important in the big picture. I think. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I'm I'm hoping when he comes back, it'll be more of like a like a Kawhi Leonard type feel. You know what I mean? Like, but you know, like not not where he's you know has to come in and be a savior, but he can get those days off, and he doesn't have to be you know trying to carry the team. So it's kind of a until we actually need him to carry the team. If that you know that makes sense. So I'm hoping. Yeah, that- you hope that you hope that whenever he's out there on the court, though, that. You know, there are just a few more backcourt weapons to where, you know, you remember Mm -hmm. the last things you remember is, you know, when when teams really needed to lock down late in games or even in that playoff series against Cleveland, it was just double victor, triple, you know, whatever. 
And you hope that if teams even think about doing that, then you flip it over to Malcolm Brogdon and he'd run some offense or you've got, you know, Jeremy Lamb or you, you know, all of a sudden, I mean, who's going to have a more potent front court inside outside than Miles and Domas. So right. you go to your, you go to your strength. So you hope he doesn't have to carry the load at all this year. Yeah. And it will be interesting to me to watch Nate, how he listens to Victor, how he listens to the trainers, how the three of those groups kind of work together. And I'll even include, the front office because it's going to have to be a team decision of okay play this game maybe not this one and that's not really been Nate's style I mean right, right, in, the, in my time on the road you know there are a number of teams where you prepare for certain players and then you find out sometimes an hour and a half before the game somebody's resting in March and that hasn't been something that we've even worried about from a Pacer perspective because Nate's thing has always been as long as there's something to play for I'm going to play my guys, and he has a little bit of that, you know, 1980s NBA yeah. mindset. But <laughs> I think he would admit, and he'll listen to the trainers if if Victor needs a night off here or there. So that'll be interesting to watch as well. And I do think that they will, you know, do everything they can to make sure that he comes back and he's the best he can be in April, not in January. Right, right. Um, just a, a, another thing here, uh, Batazzi. For those of the uh, people that don't know much about him, give us a little background on him as far as his style, style of play, how he's going to fit in, uh, to this Pacers uh, uh, Pacers game plan. Um, so I, one thing is I, I'm pretty sure, even though I have to get it verified one more time, Batadze would be how I think we're going to be pronouncing it. Goga Batadze. Um, I'll tell you that he might have the best personality on the team because in the time, the brief time that I've been able to talk to him and be around him and then others that have, he is just a joy to be around. So I personally, first of all, uh, you know, while fans were leery of another center, I want to have a good guy that I can interview. So I'm happy about that. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I just think that you have to acknowledge what he did, you know, in the Euro league as a, you know, an 18 year old and, and know that, you know, he's 19 years old. He's going to get better, but he has more professional and even just better basketball experience than a guy that just played maybe one year of college, you know, outside of maybe someone who was just playing in the most elite of competition. So uh, I think that he comes in prepared. I think physicality would maybe be one thing that he'll have to adjust to and get used to. But I think he's going to be kind of – I guess I would say I, I picture him maybe being a little bit more like Miles on the defensive end and a combination of Miles and Domas offensively. He'll have more post moves probably naturally than, than Miles will. I don't think he'll be as good of a shooter as Miles. But I do think he's more of a – if a true – if you're building your defense around a rim protector center, then I do think it's more of a, you know, apples to apples – defensively miles and and goga now not to say goga is anywhere on that level but that's something he does he's a rim protector i think he has a good basketball iq and so you can kind of have that same style of defense think about it when let's say you had miles turner at center and then you know if domas was hurt a couple years ago then you had big out you know those those guys are kind of polar opposite centers right i mean big out big al's a back to the basket low post genius and he's not really a rim protector at all, and he can't really play the pick and roll. And, and Miles is great on defense inside. He's a shot blocker. He's versatile. He can play the pick and roll, but he's not really a low post guy offensively. So when they would play those guys, it almost was like they had two different teams. And so I do think it makes sense if you're going to 
if you're going to try to have Domas be a four or at least a, a four or five and Miles is a four or five, however you're going to call it, it does kind of make sense that you needed another center. And that's that's where that draft pick kind of, you know, you can understand it a little bit more. And I think also at the value, knowing you're, you're drafting 18, um, I think it was a good pick. You know, sure, I'm sure it was questionable and you thought, hey, you need a point guard, you need this. But, you you keep. You know, with what you had, you know, in the pipeline, mm-hmm. you need another strong center. And even who knows what happens this year. I mean, this Domas and Miles experiment is an experiment. And maybe in February it will have been deemed that it didn't work. I can't see into the future. And if that happens, you still need you still have one of them as your starting center. And I think Goga is a backup center. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, yeah, I, I definitely like the pick. Um, I think he'll I think he fits in well to what we do. Um, I was very excited to actually get him as a young, you know, European player who has that European experience, um, and he's got a versatile game. So I was definitely excited about it. Um, but but don't you know, like any rookie, especially one that's drafted, you know, around eighteen to twenty, mm-hmm. you know, fans have to, you know, temper their expectations just a little bit. You can't watch a preseason game or you know a November game and say this guy is great or this guy is a bust. Right. Um, you right. Know, along the same line, now. T.J. Leaf's getting ready for his third year, and he was drafted, you know, in a similar spot. It's time for T.J. to show something. I, I think everyone would admit that the beginning of the season, uh, not not that he hasn't shown something, but you know, to be more of a reliable rotation player, there's the you know the training wheels are off, whatever cliche that you could insert right there. He has to do more, and he has to be counted on. Don't have that same expectation level, I don't think, for for Goga. Although he might surprise everyone, but give him some time to grow and learn the NBA game, I think. All right, so Jeremiah, when you were on our show last year, um, I mentioned that I was very fond of a Xavier guard that's currently a member of the Pacers by the name of Edmund Sumner. Uh, We discussed his recovery, and now there's no recovery. He is not only healthy, he'll be a member of the 12-man roster, it looks like. Well, 15-man, I should say, signing a little bit of a deal. Now, I know guys like Oladipo were talking about how good of a guy he was in practice. So, what is it like now to know you guys have this very nice diamond in the rough by the name of Edmund Sumner that's going to take over a game in the future? <laughs> well, we already know that he can win a game. I mean, how about the game 82? Yeah. I don't know, that. I don't know how many people were watching Pacers-Hawks on the last night of the regular season, but, I mean, to go to the free throw line with, you know, hey, a game was still on the line, and to make three straight free throws, I, that says a lot, and I couldn't have been happier. Um, for Edmund, knowing all he had been through, he's had some, you know, some personal things. He's had some, you know, he's lost, a, you know, a brother, and there's just the injuries, you know, have been also very difficult to deal with. And you almost throw that first year out. Last year really was his quote unquote rookie year, you know, in in terms of being healthy. The only concern I have a little bit is, you know, he he got healthy, and then in summer league, a chance to him for him, I thought to maybe be kind of a star of summer league, and then he got injured again, and what appears to have just been kind of a fluke freakish kind of thing, but you don't want different injuries to come to keep coming up. And, you know, there are certain players that constantly have to deal with that. And if there is an issue, you know, I, I trust the Pacers training staff as much as anybody in the league so that they can help him through that. But think about the experience that he got last year when they had some injuries and they had uh, Edmund Sumner starting <laughs> against the Golden State Warriors after being in Fort Wayne, I think the week before. Yeah. So, um, you know, the one thing I'm not a hundred percent, whether he's kind of a rotation player on opening night, I do think when you have, uh, Justin holiday added and you still have McDermott, I, I kind of think that 
you know, the year would start where you've got kind of a holiday backcourt and, and McDermott is your three and, and maybe Edmonds kind of waiting in the wings a little bit. Uh, but I, you know, I like that you draft a guy in the second round, someone who maybe would have been drafted higher, but he's injured. And then you have the two-way deal to be able to take a player like that. And then you, you work with them in year two. And now you give them what is, from a team perspective, let's be honest, a low-risk deal. I mean, it's it's great that Edmund has another couple years, I think, of guaranteed money. But it's not as much as the salary cap is. You know, if one of your guys is making around a million or two, it's, you know, <laughs> no big deal. Like, you, you, you go ahead and say, here, sign, sign right here. Now you want him to be a contributor. But if it doesn't work out, it's not it's not going to hurt you. But I, I just think that he's the kind of guy I, I thought he, you know, his personality really showed a lot more last year. He was someone that as a rookie I thought was, you know, dealing with a lot and was very quiet and hard to talk to. And now I go up and talk to him and he's just got a smile on his face and you can tell how much more comfortable he is. And I, he's one of those guys that I'll be watching in training camp because I think he has so much to prove and he has so much more confidence now than he's had at any point in his, in his career. I mean, even last year in the preseason, around the time, I don't know whether we talked before or after preseason, but, you know, he was like, wow, where'd this guy come from? And, you know, it was a preseason game or two. Um, but I think you, if, you, if you've done it, then you know you can do it again. Now, you can't expect it every night from a guy like that, but just knowing you can do, you know, special things and he has the kind of athleticism that you can't, you know, you can't teach, I think that uh, – He's cert- he is a perfect to me fringe rotation, maybe first guy out of the rotation, but ready to be a backup uh, backward player uh, for a team. Well, I know he's very comfortable playing basketball in Indiana, specifically when he uh, gave the buckets to Butler at Hinkle. Ah, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Oh. Man, it's all kind of like bad Butler memories on this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, he had to he had to pull that one up. He was excited to say that one. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so as we talk about uh, this nineteen twenty season, uh, we know Oladipo will start off. You know he's injured. Uh, who do you see as a starting five, and and some of the rotation guys that are going to be there um, to start the season? I was surprised that in some of the. Uh press conference or after press conference conversations, Dave Millen has pretty much put it out there. I mean, I think he's, he seems like a coach that would want competition on opening night, but I think there is some, I think, not promises made, but I think when signing guys, I think there was sort of an understanding, like, we're bringing you in here to do this and to be this. And so there really was never a doubt that Brogdon would be, you know, a starter. And Miles, and I think they told Domas when the season ended, like, you're going to start. We're going to figure out how we can make this work. So, you know, those are your three guys that are that are locked. And if Victor's not playing, you basically had two somewhat question marks. So, um, and, you know, Lamb is someone that is a perfect, as I said, start when Victor is out and maybe be a bench guy when he comes back. So, to me, he's your two. And, you know, I, I still um, – I think that T.J. Warren has shown enough scoring ability – um, in Phoenix, I worry about doing that for a team that really isn't playing for a lot. And to be honest, when I've seen Phoenix uh, over the last couple of years, uh, sometimes I worry about those stats being hollow. But I trust, <laughs> right. you know, not saying TJ's are, but even, I mean, I think Devin Booker's great too. But somebody has to score points in a game for a team that just doesn't have that same feeling about themselves. Um, so uh, I think that what I liked most about him last year was how he increased his three-point shooting production and 
um, percentage, and he added that to his game because, you know, without Boyan, I, I worry a little bit about the shooting, but I think Brogdon can be a good shooter. Lamb can be a good shooter. Miles can shoot the three, and if Lamb can, then then you have four guys that maybe not none of them are as much of a threat as Boyan was individually, but as a group, if you've got you got four guys that can shoot the three, and yes. hey, even even Domas, I was gonna say. He, he got saw, about 16 threes, but I think he maybe made nine. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, he was 53% from the field, or from three-point land, so yeah, even he could yeah. get out there a little bit. <laughs> I don't think they want to turn him into a stretch four like right. the Thunder did, but <laughs> if you leave him open, he'll make you pay. He will make you pay, absolutely. So, as we start to wrap this up, um, any uh, what's your prediction on, they finished 48-34 and 34 last year. Um, where, where do you think they'll finish up this year um, as far as in the conference and how they'll finish up overall? Well, if we would, if we could even go back to last year and thinking about, you know, I thought that even if Victor was completely healthy, I honestly thought that a 48-49 win season, you know, one, you know, similar to the year before that where they, you know, exceeded all the expectations would not have been disappointing. But I never would have really thought they could have gotten to that level with Victor missing so many games. And so I guess I feel the same way a little bit now. You already know he's going to miss, let's say, let's just say he's going to miss half the season. Mm -hmm. So if you know your star is going to miss half the season, you had a good year the year before and you won 48. I do think it does show the Pacers are getting some respect, even if it's from, you know, the odds makers. But I mean, a lot of the people who make, predictions are saying fourth or fifth of the east and that's really been 48 49 wins the last couple of seasons you know personally i wouldn't be shocked if it's a you know 45 or so win season and if that's three wins less than last year i wouldn't view that as a disappointment especially if you take it into the context that your star player misses half the year and you're bringing in so many new faces i mean last year you at least had everything around him pretty much the same from the year before there wasn't there wasn't a lot of new there wasn't a lot of change last year I mean it was it was a season of continuity that was one of the biggest themes even without Oladipo everybody kind of knew their role so I, I I admit to being a little surprised the 48 49 wins that that people are projecting not to say I don't think they can win 50 but it almost seems like a four or five seed is kind of a, a an accurate prediction and I almost feel like this roster was put together not to discount the upcoming season, but with a two-year plan in mind, and that the best they want this team to be the best they can be in the 2021 season when Victor's completely healthy, when you fully know whether you know you know the Miles Turner Sabonis thing, whether it's going to work or not, and you either are going to move forward with that as your front court or with a new piece that you're able to acquire as with one of them as an asset. So, I kind of view if you go back two years ago. If Victor doesn't get hurt, I think it was all built towards last season competing for the Eastern Conference Championship with LeBron gone. I mean, if Victor's injury, it just, unfortunately, it changed everything. And mm-hmm. so now I look at this next run as almost a two-year a two-year cycle because you have guys under contract for at least two years, most of them. You have Oladipo that you don't want to put pressure on and be the best. So uh, I'm not going to say, oh, I don't want the headline to be that, you know, Jeremiah's predicting them to... <laughs> To win, to win less than 48 games right, or less than right. what people are thinking. But I, I don't think that would be a disappointment. And it, the main thing is if you can play basketball in March and get and know you're going to be in the playoffs 
and you can see the best version of Victor Oladipo, then to me the win total is a little bit irrelevant. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't go into a playoff series without home court advantage thinking that's the end of the world if you had you know, a healthier, better team in April than you had in December and January. So um, I, 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 it's tough for me as someone who's kind of with them all the time and, you know, a team employee to, to make an, you know, on the record prediction. But right. I'll, I'll just say I, I think the 45 to 50 range is, is what this team is. And, you know, whether it's 50 or 45 is just going to depend on health and, and how well the new guys really, you know, gel together. Awesome. Awesome. So I gotta get one in there too before we go. Um, we'll talk about Butler. What do you one think quick the Bulls are gonna? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think they'll be a lot better, but I'm not ready to say playoffs. I think you know they're gonna be healthy. At least it looks that way. Without even though Wendell Carter's hurt, but everyone seems to think they're like a playoff team, and I'm. That's gotta take what 18 win improvement. That's that's a lot. Hey, I- I just I just want to see a full training camp and eighty two games of uh, boiling uh, running them into the ground. <laughs> you have a, exactly. We'll see how I now. I mean, I think that that could be the biggest reason you get Thaddeus Young, so you have someone that can calm everyone down in the locker room, and yeah. he's going to do whatever the coach says. So that could turn into be a huge pickup. Even I mean, craziest thing is he may not even start. I, I'm not. Depends, I don't think he you know. will. Truthfully, between Lori and Wendell. I think he'll yeah. be that third guy. Which, so, you know, that's crazy, but yeah, yeah that's enough Bulls talk. What, what do you <laughs> want to talk about, Butler? All right, so last year, Butler had their first losing season since they went to the Big East, their first year in the Big East. Okay. But they have a lot of guys coming back, except for Joey Bronx going to IU for some reason or another. I don't know why. Um, do you think Butler bounces back under Laval Jordan this year? I admit that I didn't watch as much Butler last year. You shouldn't Cowboys. have. They were really bad. Yeah. Well, and, you know, a lot of times I even uh, – my sister has season tickets, and for two years she's been like pick a game, and every night the Pacers played, it seemed like Butler was playing at least their home game. So, you know, I, I'm no longer the uh, the Indianapolis Butler expert as I when I worked <laughs> at Fox 59. I mean, I was that was kind of one of my beats, and I was – at all of the all the tournament games in 2010 and 2011, like I was there, so that was nice. That was kind of the heyday, and I I had a blast then. But I do think, and I've heard that you know there's a maybe it's not the recruiting class for this year, but for the next year is one of the best ones in the country, and mm-hmm. that's awfully early. But I do think that uh, also Laval has got somebody from Milwaukee that he trusts that he used to coach. I think they're going to improve. I just hope they can kind of keep up with the Big East. I mean, that was my concern when they went to the Big East is, you know, this is a team that I cover in the Horizon League, and they were just trying to figure out the Atlantic 10, and now all of a sudden are they a Big East team? Um, they don't they don't fit all of the profiles. I mean, think about the history that Georgetown and, you know, some of these non-football playing schools. In Nova. The, in the Big East. Yeah, um, even Providence. I mean, like those schools, like they have such a history – and some of the ones, uh, you know, maybe it's just difficult, I think. But, um, yes, I think they're going to have a winning record. I think they're going to get into the tournament. I think Kinkle Fieldhouse is still a big home court advantage. Yes, and it is. And I think the, the guys that are back, I think they're going to be hungry. And, and I, I believe in Laval. I mean, I I do too. I, I, I think that, you know, with what he's kind of – he knows the program. He's had all this coaching experience from, you know, being a high-level assistant at Michigan – to having his own team at Milwaukee, now having a couple of cycles at Butler. Um, he kind of 
he has everything you need to have at Butler, and now you just have to make sure he's got the you know the go-to scorers, and um, you know they can. That's college basketball, though. You mentioned the transfer. I mean, every team has transfers now, and guys leave, and then they'll be they'll they'll lose some, but they'll benefit from having some come in. So, um, I I'm still a Butler believer. I'm gonna. Mark it down. Butler makes the tournament this year. There All right. That'll be like eight Big East teams because the Big East is going to be stacked this year. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. All right. So we can't let you go here without asking you the pivotal question of the night. Chick-fil-A or Popeye's chicken sandwich? <laughs> so you guys have to fill me in a little bit. I mean, I, I'm not on Twitter as much as I am during the season. And this has just gone crazy because Popeye's, I know some people that love Popeye's, but – I was always Chick-fil-A, but how did this debate get so heated? So apparently Popeye's created this chicken sandwich, and I guess the saying is is that it's got a little bit more flavor, the bread is better. So So they had chicken forever. Did they not have a chicken sandwich before? They did not have a chicken sandwich before. So in the last Uh, week or so, they created the chicken sandwich. Probably a little longer than that. And, you know, some of the things out there are kind of crazy, like, you know, Oh, you know, Chick Fil A scared. Which, in our area, Chick Fil A. I mean, you can't get you can't get through a Chick Fil A during lunchtime to save your life. No. I mean, it's. I it's don't packed. even know if there's any time. The only yeah. time it's quiet Sunday. Yeah, it's yeah, it's packed. So <laughs> everybody's trying to yeah, yeah yeah they're you know they're trying to make all the you know they're making just funny memes about oh Popeye's chicken is is going crazy and and they're putting Chick Fil A to rest, which we know of course is not true that that could never happen. But yeah, the Popeye's chicken sandwich is supposed to be. Way better than the Chick Fil A sandwich. I didn't know if you'd had a chance to try it. I haven't, or... tri- I haven't tried the Popeyes. I'm gonna say that the chicken sandwich at uh, Chick Fil A is is impressive, um, but I I guess I don't I can't downgrade <laughs> Popeyes. But I will say that whoever is running their marketing department, I mean, think of all the free advertising they've gotten from just yeah this this like social media feud and just. I mean, for you to talk about it, like, we're not getting paid by Popeye's. No, no. we're not. We, we, we would like to. We would like to get paid yeah. by Popeye's. Well, now I see on the, you know, it's almost like an old economics thing with supply and demand. I feel like I more than I see pictures of chicken sandwiches, I see signs that um, different Popeye's are out of chicken sandwich. So if you keep that demand high, you're you're also doing something right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you, man. We appreciate you coming on, Jeremiah. What's that? So, oh, yeah. So, yeah, shoot. We wanted you to go ahead and shout out your information, your Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever you have, um, so we can get the people to you. Yep, uh, at JJFS Indiana on Twitter and uh, Instagram. I started about this time last year. Maybe it was even the opening week of the season. Now, I'm not quite uh, the um, excellent Instagrammer, and I don't actually <laughs> get on there and check it that often, but I'm going to try to do better. I've, it's, it's Jeremiah Fox Sports Indiana. And then, uh, of course, the uh, Sideline Guys podcast. We'll put out about once a week uh, during training camp and, you know, one, one or two a week. It's, it's actually, in reality, once a week. But sometimes if there's a lot going on, we'll have a second one during the season. And that's on the Pacers Sound Channel on, uh, you know, iTunes or anywhere else you get your podcast. Awesome, man. Well, once again, man, we want to thank you for coming on. You're always just so gracious with your time. I know you're extremely busy uh, with Fox Sports, but we, uh, we appreciate you, man. Thank you very much for coming on and talking patience. All right. I appreciate it. Anytime, guys. All right. I appreciate it. Take care. Yep.